Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today we will talk about dementia arts, celebrating creativity in elder care. And to help shed light on this, I'm very pleased to introduce our distinguished guest, Gary Gleisner. Carrie is the founder and executive director of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, NBC's Today Show, NPR's All Things Considered, and Voice of America have featured segments on Carrie's work. His new book, Dementia Art, Celebrating Creativity in Elder Care, will be published next month. Carrie, thank you for joining us once again. It's been, it's been a year, and uh, it's very, congratulations on your new book. Thank you very much. I'm really, uh, really excited to be here. Great. So let's get right to it. We have a ton of questions for you, um, and I wanted to start off the show by asking you about why um, you know you felt the need to focus on creativity with people um, living with the memory loss and for their care partners. Why why was that the compelling focus? So I think that when we focus on the person's creativity. We can play to their strengths and emphasize strengths that they have, even in late-stage dementia, rather than the um, deficits that they're experiencing. So a common thing to gauge a person's awareness might be to ask, you know, something about, do you know what year it is or what day it is? Um, There even was a video I saw just yesterday where, uh, it was a well-known cookbook author that was uh, living with memory loss. And as an example of keeping the person um, uh, stimulated, cognitively stimulated, they were asking those questions. They were asking, do you know what, what day it is? And so when we shift that uh, to asking questions around creativity or, for instance, engaging in uh, reciting poems together. That's one of the things we really emphasize in the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. So when you shift that, uh, it can play to the person's strength and, and it can be a way to communicate together and to have fun and experience joy. And so I think that creativity is a way in and it's a way to stay connected to your loved one. Can you elaborate on how um, creative verbal expression can be used or can be included into our um, day-to-day activities? Yeah, so one of the, I mean, there's just so many of these research studies that are coming out, but there was a really interesting one. It was published in the, the Open Nursing Journal in 2010 called reactions of persons with dementia to caregivers singing in morning care situations. So it has, you know, a clunky, awkward academic title, but basically it was just Mm -hmm. the idea was as you're doing these morning activities, which might be, um, you know, getting the person ready for the shower or, um, you know, maybe brushing teeth or something like that, you know, eating breakfast, these types of things that we do in the morning to get ready for the day, they sang with the people. And these were, um, these were professional caregivers that were working in the home. They were not professional singers, and they didn't have any special 
singing training. But what they found was is that it really helped to start the day. And so they would just sing, and in this case, the study was done in Sweden. And so they were singing traditional Swedish folk songs mostly, but also pop songs, that kind of thing, <clears throat> you know, whatever the, mm-hmm. their interest was. And so they found that it really helped. Now, it's a very small study, but um, I think it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. And again, what it does is it shifts the focus off of maybe what's something that is, is uh maybe is, is a difficult thing to get the person to do or, or that you need to accomplish. And so by making it a little bit more joyful and helping to focus on, in this case, a song, but you could do it with poems as well or simple movements, um, all these things could be done that way. Mm-hmm. Now, um, with, um, when it comes specifically to poetry, um, not many of us read a lot of poetry or not many of us um, you know, uh, come up with, um, can think of poems just off the cuff. How do you think it could, how do you think poetry as a form of expression can be used as a communication tool by, you know, by regular people? Right, yeah. So persons that don't have, like myself, have, you know, not devoted your life to studying poetry, right? So that's, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so the core technique that we use in the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, which just is, is really simple, it's, um, it's called call and response. And that's just where one person says a line of poetry and has the other person, or it can be a group of people, say the line back. So for instance, if I was to say, um, once upon a midnight dreary, then you would answer that mm-hmm. back. Do you want to try it a little bit for the listeners at home so they can hear it? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, great. So I'm going to say a line of poetry, and you're going to repeat Mm -hmm. after me. I say it, and then Mm -hmm. you say it. And the listeners at home, they can say it along with you as well. And we're going to do the opening to Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. So here we go. Once upon a midnight dreary. Once upon a midnight dreary. While I pondered weak and weary. While I pondered weak and weary. While I nodded nearly napping. While I nodded nearly napping. Suddenly there came a tapping. Suddenly there came a tapping. As of someone gently rapping. As of someone gently rapping. Rapping at my chamber door. Rapping at my chamber door. Quote the raven nevermore. Quote the raven nevermore. Now you can add a little bit of rhythm to it and get kind of fun with Uh it. You can make it as if Edgar Allan Poe uh, wrote square dances. So let's let's try just a little (laughs) bit of that. We won't do the whole thing, but just a little bit to give a feel of how you can shift the tone and be joyous and playful. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. Once upon a midnight dreary. Once upon a midnight dreary. While I pondered weak and weary. While I pondered weak and weary. Suddenly there came a tapping. <laughs> Suddenly there came a tapping. I'm sorry, I can't. I couldn't imitate the snore. That was a very you good snore. You couldn't do the snore. That's okay. Feel for it, though, that you can be playful with it and joyful. Right. You can imagine. You can imagine how, um, you know, this can be very, very beneficial. And you don't have to memorize a whole poem. You can just right. pick, you know, and, and there's such easy 
search engines now where you type in spring poems into into Google or Yahoo or something, and you know you can mm-hmm. get all kinds of poems will come up, and you can find one or even like let's say it's your dad and your dad really loves fishing. You could even type mm-hmm. in fishing poems and find that one of those, and and then you know maybe you just have a couple of lines, or maybe you have, maybe you even blow up the type so it's nice and big so people can read it and have reduced eyesight. And and mm-hmm. the, we've done this many times where the person with memory loss actually reads reads the line and and the other person responds. So that's really joyful too. So that's the core technique that we use is is this call and response and. What's so powerful about it is you're not asking the person, do you remember that fishing trip we took, right? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what day it is, right? And, and instead you're just saying, I'm going to say these words and you repeat them back to me. And if you think about how we learn language as young people, right, and even babies, we mimic mm-hmm. our, our parents' speech at first and then our teachers. And so this idea of call and response is really built into us from our earliest days. And you find it throughout our culture. So what are some of the situations you find call and response? In almost all music, right, so mm-hmm. especially blues and jazz, gospel music for sure, even classical mm-hmm. music with its counterpoint melodies um, and harmonies are, are since a call and response, especially religious ceremonies. Almost all religious ceremonies have yes. some type of call and response. The most famous is, of course, do you take this man, you know, to be your lawfully wedded husband, that call and response, right? So it's really built yes. into us as, as humans in our culture to do this. And as people are living with memory loss, imagine if you were to ask them, you know, something about short-term memory, like, you know, did you just have breakfast as the person, you know, maybe they can't remember that, they're, that they just had juice or something. But you're not asking mm-hmm. them that. You're only saying say these words after I say them to you. And you can even reinforce the rhythm of the poem by holding the person's hand and gently moving it to the beat of the poem. And that's a really powerful technique to use with people in the later stage memory loss. So I've had um, really wonderful experiences doing that, and it's just a great way to connect with people. So that call and response, they can be successful at it, and that's, that's huge. And it's something that you can share together. You could incorporate it into a, a daily activity if you wanted. So that's, that's a little bit of how poetry can be used as a communication tool. But imagine, too, that you can have mm-hmm. a conversation around it. So a typical conversation might go like this. Dad, do you remember that fishing trip we took to Lake Tahoe? You know, so you're, you're trying to get the person to remember this great trip. Maybe you're even showing them photographs or something like that. But imagine instead the conversation goes like this. You start to recite a poem about fishing. And, mm-hmm. then, and then you start to talk about what fishing is like. So maybe you say, you know, is it fun to get up early in the morning to go fishing? You know, so the person can think, yeah, it kind of is, even though maybe they don't like to get up early. What's it like to put the worm on the hook? 
right? So you're you're using creativity around it instead of asking about specific biographical details. And shifting mm-hmm. out of the, bio, the biographical detail allows you to play to the person's strength. So you can have conversations around the poems. You can use call and response. Now imagine that your dad, you've brought your dad's favorite fishing pole and his tackle box. And you've got a poem about fishing, and then you feel the weights on the thing, the, the lures, you look at the, you know, the line, maybe you even cast a little bit if you're in a place where you could cast it a little bit. And you can have mm-hmm. build up this whole thing around fishing. It's just, it's just a, you know, it can be a beautiful experience. And it steps outside of the daily way we communicate. That's fantastic. And it's, even while I was repeating, you know, I was just repeating a sentence when you were when you were um, reading out the poetry, and it was um, until I did it, I didn't realize how joyful it could be. So I can imagine what a what a powerful tool it must be for people to just bond and just have a good time and be free and not being burdened by having to remember details like you mentioned, like dates and particular mm-hmm. events, because I guess that that is. That is challenging for, uh, and it's not just challenging for the person who's trying to remember, but it's also challenging for the person who's trying to get the answer. So this mm-hmm, yeah. seems, and, and this you can seems incorporate lovely. kids. It works yeah. great with children. You know, maybe maybe a grandkid or, or you know someone someone right. that's a young person can participate as well. And they, you know you can great. shift take take turns leading. Maybe the young person leads for a little while. It's mm-hmm. re- and it's really fun. It's it's. Uh, you know, it can be very joyful. And, and if you even have, you can imagine, I mean, I don't have to share this with the listeners, but their daily lives of a caregiver. And if it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes or even five that you step out of that and experience joy mm-hmm. around creativity, that is it, it's so beneficial for everybody. I can totally imagine. Now, um, Gary, in I just want to know, like, the, I can imagine these, like I mentioned, music therapy and you know the the poetry form of expression. Um, I can visualize how helpful it would be for you know an aging parent or just handling someone who has um, you know who's not as active as before. But could these forms of therapy have those nearing end of life? Well, so that's. That's a great question. Um, now, for me, it's a really personal question because when I began this work, and I first did this work in 1997, I was mm-hmm. living in Northern California. I was the, the joke that I tell is I was a florist. I worked at a flower shop. I was a florist for 18 years, but I wanted to do something, something more masculine, so I became a poet. <laughs> so the, I... I had studied poetry in college, and I I really wanted it to be central to my life. And so I wrote a little grant, and I got it, and it was just for an eight-week workshop at an adult daycare center in Northern California. And it was just a five-minute drive from the flower shop, so I could get there really easy. And um, the moment of inspiration for me was there was a man in the group. His head was down, seemingly unaware of his surroundings, and I said the Longfellow poem, I shot an arrow in the air, and his eyes popped open, and he said, it fell to earth, I know not where. And suddenly he was back with us, and he was able to participate, and it was this incredibly heartfelt moment for me as a poet. Mm-hmm. Now, the answer to your question is, 
at that same time, my mother was in the last stages of cancer. So she had tumors that had spread to her brain, and she was on heavy medications, morphine and things. And so she was having dementia-type behavior. Now, my mom and dad were childhood sweethearts, and they mm-hmm. became boyfriend and girlfriend at age five and six. Oh. And so my father, yeah, it's, it's very sweet. And so my father had called and said, your mom's really agitated. She's really upset. She's asking for cherry ice cream. And he never called and asked for help. So I knew, I knew it was a tough situation for him. So mm-hmm. I went and got the ice cream. I was doing the workshops at this time. This is the first time I had done this work. And I remember this moment so strongly. I reached back in the car to get the ice cream. And I had all the poetry books with me from the workshop, and I just thought, I'm going to bring them in and try them with my mom. And so I brought them in, and my mom had teased my dad as a little boy with the the rhyme, can you bake a cherry pie, Billy boy, Billy boy. And so that was one of the rhymes that was in the book. And so I started to recite that, and she and my dad started to sing it and laugh, and she was making these little motions with her hands to go along with it. And again, it just Mm -hmm. reinforced to me how powerful the poems could be, in this case, in a hospice setting. And it was a real moment of joy and and, um, communication with my mom, and she passed away about a month after that. So I've experienced firsthand how it can work in hospice settings. Let's see. Now, um, about your upcoming book, Dementia Arts, what was the inspiration? Well, that story of my mom really was the moment that I dedicated my life to working with people with dementia. And that mm-hmm. was 97, and it, and it took a while to, to really you know, get get started, but in 2003, I formally started the Alzheimer's Poetry Project, and since that time, we've done poetry in 24 states and internationally in Australia, Germany, Poland, and South Korea. And so the book is all of those experiences. It's part memoir. It's my story. It tells the story of my mom and dad. Their photographs are throughout the book. Um, Mm -hmm. It... um, it, it takes the, um, the experiences that I've had around this work and, and, and gives people a way to, to do them in their own lives. And so that's really the inspiration for the book was that, again, that moment with my mom, um, you know, where, she, where it was so powerful to see her communicate and connect through, through poetry. See, that's truly profound, Gary, and I can imagine how that's kind of set the tone for, I guess, all your work, uh, that, that moment that you've mentioned, um, truly, truly remarkable. Um, you mentioned that your book has, you know, or um, I read about that, that your book has a recipe format for the art inspiration. Can you tell our audience members more about this? Yeah, so um, when I started to write the book, I wanted to come up with um, kind of an interesting way to have the art lessons or inspirations and you know there's a typical sort of way that you talk about you know here's how you do it and this and at at the time I began to formulate the book in my mind I was reading um, the New York Times cookbook had just come out 
and uh, it was with uh, Amanda Hester was the editor. And she had such an amazing tone that I remember one of the recipes, it talked about, you know, that if you stirred something the wrong way, you were going to really mess up the recipe. And then she said, but you won't do that because then I won't be able to sleep at night, will you? And I just thought, (laughs) that's the tone I want to have for this book. And in the same way that a cookbook can be used daily, right? You don't really pick up a cookbook and, you know, read it from cover to cover. You pick it up and it it has, you know, you look through it for what you need. You know, maybe you need a a first course or a soup or something. And so I wanted the book to have that feel. So you can read it from cover to cover. And it it is my life story. But you can also take it and each of, so each of the chapters starts with a story and then it has a recipe attached to it, and that's how you get the art lesson. So I'd, I'd like to share just one of the recipes with you. Sure. So this, this one is, um, is, this recipe is for, and, and it was really fun to come up with creative recipe names, you know, like, like uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, Uncle William Shakespeare's stew, you know, that kind of thing. So this one is, <laughs> this one is the Boy Florist State Fair Blue Ribbon Main Street Main Dish. So that's the title. It was fun to just think of those old funky titles that you would have. And then, the, and then, and then, so that's the title. And then it has the ingredients. So it tells you what you need to do the art inspiration. So it says the ingredients are one caregiver, or teaching artist mm-hmm. notebook, one writing utensil, one chunk of time. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, a whole hour, you can choose the time, one pair of comfortable walking shoes, and one place to walk. So that's the ingredients that you need. And then the instructions are put on your shoes, get your notebook and pen, set aside a little time for yourself, and take a walk. As you walk, pay attention to the sights around you and write them down and have fun. Think of yourself as a poetry reporter the sites and story the sites are the story you're reporting on and you slow down and open your eyes to all the colors images and the people around you so it's a really simple in this case it's an inspiration for a caregiver to just take a short break you have a notebook you're just going to walk and note what you have and you can imagine mm-hmm. how how nurturing and refreshing that can be for you. So that's just one of the recipes, and there's there's 35 recipes in the book. How fantastic. Um, one last question for you, Gary. We have so much to ask you, but we are unfortunately running out of time. Uh, if you could share with us an example that worked well with, um, you know, combining poetry with improv, dance, music, or visual art, with all the, all the creative arts that you know, that could be incorporated in the daily life. One example that, that sticks in your mind. Yeah, and this, this also speaks to a little bit of like, you know, how do you choose a poem or how do you choose a piece of music to work with? So mm-hmm. one of the groups I work with a lot is, um, is a, at New York Memory Center in Brooklyn. It's an adult daycare center. And we've started to combine poetry with songs. And The one that is my favorite of all times is we take the last few lines of The Owl and the Pussycat and we combine it Mm -hmm. with Fly Me to the Moon. So it kind of sounds like, 
Yeah, let's let's do it a little bit, okay? So we'll do the call and okay. response, and and then we'll sing a little bit. And my voice is terrible, so please excuse that. <laughs> but but here's how it goes. Okay, so hand in hand. Hand in hand. On the edge of the sand. On the edge of the sand. We dance by the light of the moon. We dance by the light of the moon. The moon, the moon, the moon. The moon, the moon, the moon. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. On the edge of the sand. On the edge of the sand. We dance by the light of the moon. We dance by the light of the moon. Now, there's a guy in the group who loves mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra. And this okay. is a guy that's in, he's in fairly late-stage dementia, but he now knows, so this is evidence of, of lifetime learning, right? He now knows mm-hmm. that when we say the moon, the moon, the moon, I don't have to say anything mm-hmm. else. I just point to him. He knows that's his cue. So it goes, the moon, the moon, the moon, and I point to him, and he goes, Fly me to the moon and let me oh play amongst the stars. Let me see what life is like on Jupiter Mars. In other words, hold my hand. We all hold hands. Everybody in the group grabs something. Okay. Hand. And then he uh-huh. goes, he switches it, and now they all know this too. So he switches it. He goes, hold my hands. And then he says, don't you kiss me. And then we go back <laughs> hand in hand on the edge of the sand, and we just play it. We go back and forth. It's this beautiful medley, and we can get really big and, you know, almost like a gospel choir, or we can get very quiet, you know, it's very, very mm-hmm. soft and beautiful. But that's one way to do it. Now, in that case, that's his favorite song. So we found mm-hmm. some words from a poem that had the moon image that go along with it and the rhythms kind of fit together you know there's a kind of a popping Mm -hmm. rhythm that goes along so you start with the person's interest so Mm -hmm. how do you pick the music you know is it something that you dance together with or maybe you wooed each other to you know maybe it's a it's a song you fell in love to so Mm -hmm. that's one example of combining poetry and music and we also move to it because you know when we grab hands we're all kind of swaying back and forth right. and we even look up you know when we say hand in hand on the edge of the sand and they'll, they'll do a, a motion that the sand is there and the waves are coming in and then by the light of the moon and everyone will look up to the moon so that's, that's <laughs> a way to combine uh, movement music and poetry that is truly, truly delightful, Gary. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest today. Um, now, I, I, want do, to share I, do with... a, I do have a special okay. offer for, for the listeners okay. today. I don't know if we, do oh. we want to give the special offer now. Absolutely, because I want to give our audience members um, first the website URL, and then you can, uh, you can mention the offer. So, okay, um, so let's do that for the people... listeners. Yeah. Stay tuned because a special offer is coming up. Oh, how exciting. Great. So for all of you who want to know more about Gary, you've got to visit his website, which is www.dementiaarts.com. And like Gary said, there's a very special offer that he's going to talk about right now. Gary, here's your cue. So the offer is this. The book comes out on July 15th, so it's just about a month mm-hmm. away. Anybody who pre-purchases the book will also get a 30-minute 
either Skype session or we can just do it by phone if you want to do it by phone. Or if, you, if you're in New York, we can have coffee. But you'll get 30 minutes with me to mm-hmm. get instruction on how to use the book. So we can talk about your particular situation and come up with a plan for you. And so it's a, it's a real way for me to connect to people. And I'm really excited to offer this to the listeners today to be able to reach out to them and say, use me as a resource. I want to hold mm-hmm. your hand and help you with this. And in the same way that a cookbook nourishes you each day, I hope that this book will nourish you as well. Thank you so much, Gary. This is this is tremendous. Thank you, our audience members. I'm sure all those listening in, um, this is a great offer. Please, please take advantage of this. And uh, we've had Gary, um, you know, come as a guest on our video show in the past, and he's also done a radio show. And it's always, always a delight. And thank you, Gary, for the special offer once again. Thank you for having I- me, and thanks everybody for listening. Absolutely. I want to thank our audience for tuning in. And I want to let them know that um, our next show is next Tuesday, June 24th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We will be talking to Carol Levine, Director at the United Hospital Fund, Families and Healthcare Project, and author of Living in the Land of Limbo. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit www.ecarediary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is eCare underscore diary. Thank you, everyone, and have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody.